right, welcome back, guys. This is Next in the Queue. And if you're new here, Next in the Queue is an interview-based podcast that connects listeners with musicians, writers, producers, and really anyone in the music industry through curated playlists. Today, I'm joined with Jackson of Brutus the A. Um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so let's go into a little bit of your background. I know you've been like in a lot of projects, uh, Current Joy, Slow Hollows, and individually those were like Nick Radigan and Austin Anderson's projects, but like mm-hmm. has it been, it's been a couple of years, I think Slow Hollows last show was 2020? Yeah, it was right, it was the last day before everything shut down. Before everything shut down, that's crazy. Which we planned. Uh, that's crazy that you guys got to do the last show right before yeah we were like driving back from a tour like to LA to play our last show and on the way back we were talking about COVID we were like "Eh," like just talking about whether it was like real or a big thing or not uh and we were like ah you know it'll blow over classic like everybody did um yeah and then, yeah, we got to like our last show was at the Echo in L.A. And that sh- we played that show. And then the next day, every like the Echo shut down, everything shut down. So it was like literally we squeezed it in. That's that's pretty cool, though, that you got to play the last show. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was a good, not a good ending, but a big we went out with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> So since you've worked on those projects and now that you've had time to kind of focus on your solo work, how has that been like beneficial? Uh, It's been great. Uh, It's something I kind of always wanted to do, but I also, you know, it was always sort of a, an internal pickle because I loved playing those bands and, you know, those are all my close friends and it was so fun, but I always kind of just wanted to do my thing and focus on the Brutus stuff. So it's been awesome getting to do it um, sort of like full-time-ish, I guess. Um, yeah, it's great. I just, it's definitely like the way I think, I love uh, playing drums and, and, and supporting other people's projects, but uh, I definitely prefer to do my own thing. And uh, I think this, this project and this performance style is a little bit more cathartic to me. Um, not just cause I'm upfront and it's leading it, but I think it just, um, I can just like get, I can just use, use myself and what I'm going through a little bit more. Um, and so I feel like a little bit more connected to the audience while doing it. So that feels really great. It can be very cathartic. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen you a couple of times and your live performances kind of feel like performance pieces. Uh, You have a dancer on stage and when you have a full band, it's very much in your face in the crowd, like taking phones, like (laughs) one of the crowds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, That dancer is, yeah, my friend Elena. Okay, she's amazing. yeah, I think with the live show, I just try to like, I think just, uh, I think I just want to, yeah, it's just like try to entertain people with my, like, I guess I'm sort of like riding a line of entertaining people and also trying to get my, uh, 
my yaya's out my uh my little feelings <laughs> <laughs> so like you know if i can sort of do both simultaneously that's what feels good to me and i think uh it also to me it doesn't really matter like i'm not really trying to please everybody in the audience you know like i can see the reaction and i can see that like some people are so into it and are so hyped and, and it's for other people it can be a little challenging or maybe they fucking hate it um but i like i like that i think that's kind of interesting and whenever i see shows as a music lover that's kind of what i want i'd rather like see something and absolutely despise it uh, or absolutely love it, but anything down the middle where it doesn't really make an impression isn't re really that interesting to me. So I tried to kind of bring that mentality to these shows. Yeah, I feel like because you've lived in LA and in New York, I feel like since there's so much concentration of shows and I feel like mm -hmm. if anyone that like really goes to shows in that scene, they're going to like a lot of shows. So right. <clears throat> what you're saying about trying to be memorable in that sense because if you go to a show almost every like twice a week then yeah kind of flow together yeah you start to get kind of burnt out and i think i definitely did so i'm just trying to like keep people's attention especially as cliche as it is in the like iphone age you know i've even with i catch myself with my tiny attention span like you know if i'm watching a show i'm usually you know enjoying it and engaged but uh, in the back of my head i'm kind of like you know when can i check my phone and go have a cigarette which is bad and i'm trying to work on that but so i feel like that i'm just uh, i'm constantly trying to like fight against that with the audience and just keep people keep people watching whether they like it or not yeah i think you talking about attention span I've been trying to read again. I've not really yeah. done that since like high school. Yeah. Kind of hard because yeah. uh, I can just scroll through whatever app and like, actually trying to like make time and be disciplined and trying to yeah. do stuff like that. It's kind of hard. It's hard and it can be, it's usually so worth it and rewarding. Um, but yeah, no, I've struggled with that too. I have to like, if I'm reading or some or doing something like that, I have to definitely like put my phone away across the room. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like a constant battle. I feel like everything I do is a constant battle with my fucking cell phone. Um, Cause I hate it, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so you've, I talked about how you've been like bi-coastal, you've lived in LA and in New York and kind of been a part of like the DIY scene both how do they kind of differ and like which do you prefer yeah I think right now I prefer New York just because I just got here I've, I've been living here for like a year um and I just got a little burnt out on the LA one I think it's amazing it has so many great bands and so many great people uh I just started going to shows and being a part of that stuff probably at the age of like 16. So I think, and I'm 25. And so, uh, yeah, I just got a little burnt out and I felt like I just needed something new and different. And it seemed like all the bands over here on the East coast, maybe were like a 
a little more forward thinking or I don't know about forward thinking, but definitely like riskier. And, and it, it seemed like they're like more down to, to get a little weird with it and be a little more challenging. Um, so as of right now, I like, I like the East coast bands more. It seems like there's just a little bit more diversity in sound. Um, and you can kind of like, it seems like there's like not one big scene here, not but one big like DIY scene, but several different like friend groups and cliques that sometimes, you know, come together and sometimes do their own thing. Whereas LA, it's, to me, it always felt like one giant thing. Um, and in some ways that's amazing. Uh, but in some ways, I think, the lack of diversity in sound started to bother me a little bit. Um, but that's also, I'm speaking about the West Coast thing from, you know, pre-pandemic times is kind of the last time I really experienced it. So it could have, it could totally change. Like, and it could be way more diverse now. Um, what are some of your favorite New York acts that are here? Um, Just East Coast in general. I think the big one is model actress is like huge um, for me. They're my friends, but I always say they're like my, the one like friends band that I still get starstruck when I'm around them because they're so fucking good. Uh, And they've always been so good. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I, I see them all the time and I still am like, and I try to get all their secrets. Um, that's a big one. Who else? I just saw this. I just played with this band uh, called Yahweh Nailgun. They're a new band. They're amazing. Um, the guy in Yahweh Nailgun, one of the guys, Jack, has another project called Threesome that I love. I I love Threesome too. I, I have like three songs. Yeah. I, I am. They have like 30 monthly listeners. I am one of them like every <laughs> I love that band. And I've, I've tried to book a show with them like so many times and it's always fallen through and I feel so bad but I love I think they're so cool um oh uh Carol is great um she performs under the name Carol name is Carolyn uh the most like beautiful voice just a beautiful songwriter makes me cry and then let's see who else Mama is great Mama's amazing yeah bands like that mostly uh my friends, <laughs> which I feel so lucky and awesome to say that, but I feel like, you know, all of my friends here are so talented and awesome. Yeah, I know. I know like all of the ones that you've named since I've moved here, uh, kind of have like, I've become obsessed with like model actress is one of the ones that like when I first moved here, I think I saw them back in December, like yeah. amazing live, like. The show is just like incredible. Just great performers and Mama too. I, I was a fan of Mama before I moved here, but because yeah. um, I I used to be really big into listening to everything in Danger Collective records, but yeah. I was obsessed with uh, Habitat, and yeah. I'm super excited for the new album that's coming out in I think June or July. Yeah, it rules. I hope I'm allowed to say that I've heard it, and it's so fucking good. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I've known them just from forever from LA from playing shows together and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they're like, they're always amazing, but even t- 
to see like the growth too is so cool. They roll and they're the sweetest. Yeah, so uh, you put out a single, uh, I think April 1st, April Fool's Day, um, called A Fucking Asshole. Um, yeah. And then you put out a music video, I think April 8th. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so do you have any other new music coming up and how was it, what was the process like just making that song? Um, so I'm working on another record now that I'm sort of like, putting the finishes, finishing touches on sort of, uh, I don't know when it'll come out. It might be a while, but I'm excited about it. I think it's great. Um, and then what it was the second part about the song? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just about like the writing process and releasing it and what uh, made you release this one just kind of randomly. Yeah. Because I thought it was funny. Um, I think it's a super fun song. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it just seemed like it was like a funny, uh, I think the, my last record is like, has humorous moments, but is like pretty earnest in a lot of ways. And I just thought it would be fun to make like a silly song. I also saw that Sparks documentary on the band Sparks and was super inspired. It's so good. Um, And they're just such an amazing band. And like so um, ahead of their time, like throughout the documentary, they just like keep this is sidetrack sidebar, but they just keep it just shows them like basically like creating genres like maybe like 10 years before these huge genres take off and they like kind of never get the credit. Uh, But anyway, all their songs are like really funny, like really ride the line of like almost like Weird Al parody but like not quiet. They just have like this crazy sense of humor. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just wanted to make a song that was funny. Uh, and I think when I made it, I was like pretty depressed and unhappy. And so I like, usually that's kind of how I internalize being miserable is like trying to find ways to laugh at it and laugh at myself. Um, and I think that song is kind of a product of that. And oh, also, um, I don't think I was really going to release it or finish it, but uh, someone from the label said, hey, we're pitching like a slew of songs to Euphoria, uh, but they only want new music. Do you have like anything you could pitch that like you could think you think could maybe work? Um, And Usually when they say that, like, they'll say that to me everyone's not like, I, you never get them. Um, but I always try because it's fun and it's, it'd be crazy. So I was like, yes, I have this dumb song. So I called the producer, Nick Noneman. He just happened to be in town here. He lives in L.A. Uh, and I was like, what are you doing tonight? Can we finish this, like, right now? Because they need it tomorrow. So we just, like, met up, busted it out mixed it, finished it, and then it was done. Then, of course, they pitched it, and I didn't get it. But uh, then it was just like this song that was finished, so I thought I might as well just put it out. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. I mean, having being able to finish the song and kind of have that crazy experience. I mean, I think, like, that's the exciting part, you know, like, oh, I have to do this on a timeline or a deadline. Yeah, I think, yeah, in a lot of ways, I work better like that if, if someone's just like you don't have time to procrastinate finish this song and then I don't overthink it 
And then, yeah, when I don't ever think it, you get the dumb asshole song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, overthinking is something that I do a lot. I mean, I like things to be very perfect and like nothing can ever be that way. So I think, oh, I think a lot of people think that way when they're doing anything creative. It's just your own nitpicky things about yourself that no one else is noticing but you yeah totally totally and it's like i feel like half of what i've learned from doing this like half of this whole thing is just like getting out of your own way um and i think yeah that's why like i know a lot of people like to work like really early in the morning or really late at night and i've assumed that's because you're just tired you know and your guard is down a little bit uh, so yeah, it makes sense to me. I've tried it a little bit and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but yeah, I definitely have that issue for sure. I'm a, I, my own biggest critic. Yeah. And so you directed this music video for it. Um, yeah. What made you decide to make a video since you just last minute put it out? Um, I, I'm just, I've always been interested in directing and stuff and just filmmaking and it's, I've never done it. Um, I've like been involved with other film stuff, but I've never just gotten to like actually take total control and, and make a thing. Uh, so yeah, I just there was like just enough time to get it done, and I had some really great help from some friends, and we just like knocked it out. It was like a simple enough concept, so it's just kind of something I wanted to try doing. Um, since you've always wanted to like kind of do film, like what kind of films do you think influence you? Um, I think it's hard to say like a specific genre or something, but I think usually, uh, I don't know. Um, just really like, it sounds so silly, just like really thoughtful, emotional stuff, I think. Things that um, you see and really like have a huge impact on you um, from, you know, when you're a teenager till now. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think as I've gotten older, and not that I'm that old, but as I've got aged, I, things stick with me less than they used to and they sort of affect me emotionally a lot less. Um, So for me now, like if a movie inspires me, it's really gonna have a lot of like weight to it emotionally. Um, And since we're like on that topic, the playlist that you curated kind of is uh, based on like memories that um, like, like sounds like no let me just rephrase that songs that like sound like memories yeah can you describe like what influenced you to kind of like make your playlist based off of that yeah it's kind of a a busted concept but i'm (laughs) I'm obsessed it's not busted but i just can't it's hard to articulate but i'm gonna try uh it's like kind of lifted uh by this writer uh mark fisher who wrote this book called ghosts of my life um and 
he writes about this theory called hauntology that he got that he lifted from another philosopher but essentially he's kind of talking about um he calls them like ghosts of past culture that kind of come back to haunt present day and don't, and don't seem to want to go away. And because of this, we can't really move forward culturally. Um, and because he's a music writer, he uses a lot of music examples. Um, and I think because of these like culture ghosts sort of, a lot of the time the music can sort of sound like these weird sort of like warped memories from the past, even though they're maybe created present day or, you know, however many years after the sound that they're referencing. Uh, let me know if that makes sense. It's, uh, yeah, I'm hauling, I'm hauling. so, so yeah, anyway, like to simplify it, uh, yeah, just songs that sort of sound like these warped memories, uh, that are, not necessarily your memories they're just sort of like past sounds but and it's not quite as simple as like uh a band that plays like retro sounding rock or something um as much as i love some of those bands it's like more like repurposing like genre in a new way that's more impressionistic and uh, and, and then it sort of becomes its own sound, if that makes sense. So let me just let me let, let me see if I'm getting it. So yeah. kind of like ridiculous. I know, by the way, you emailed me and you're like, yeah, just like come up with a playlist with the theme. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do the convoluted one. But I'm just obsessed with this idea. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. I want to talk about it. So would it be kind of like uh, bands that like are influenced by other bands, but then another band is influenced by then it's kind of like a cycle and it kind of gets convoluted in a sense like so it's not it's not the original artist anymore it's kind of just like something that's kind of been muddled down yeah in a lot of ways yeah i think it is like uh, an influence through the lens of another artist and then it, yeah totally and it becomes something else so yeah and a lot of the times it's not only it can also be like the influence of say it's like, and there's a few examples on the playlist, but it, say it's sort of like somebody referencing like a fifties doo y sort of sound, but then they're using like whatever contemporary technology they had at the time uh, to make it, it's going to sound sort of like inherently otherworldly sort of um, almost like a, maybe like a fifties, like doo-wop song from another universe or something that like never existed. Um, I think like, I think that's like a huge part of the appeal of David Lynch in a lot of ways is that he'll take like these, like through his movies and music, we'll take like these like very familiar, like things of the past, sort of like very familiar, like American suburban ideals and then like put them through a sort of like modern lens that is absurd and and that's why it sort of feels so disturbing because it's like familiar but it's so otherworldly um yeah (laughs) okay so i have another question we just said the same thing about artists who sample that like kind of flip and reverse 
sampling so that even if a song is sampled, you wouldn't really understand it unless you were in the studio with them kind of. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's like a huge, that's a huge thing. It doesn't always like get that effect that I'm looking for that I'm talking about, but I think like, absolutely. Sampling is like a huge idea of that. Cause you're, yeah, you're very literally like taking a thing in the past and then like you're using like old clay to make a new sculpture sort of idea. Cool, cool. I think that's, I think that's interesting. I have to, I have to like go like look at it more. Cause I think my understanding of it kind of was like, when you emailed me about it, it was kind of like reminiscent of like actual, like pertaining to you or an individual instead of a collective like culture as in like every one of us, you know, like if we're speaking about like, like genres that don't exist or something that's kind of becoming an impression of something, it can't really be specific to a person, but more culturally like American or American music, you know, like kind of like 90s, early grunge kind of stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to go back and <laughs> kind of look at it. Yeah. Like, it's like that I can think of. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to like kind of put your finger on. Cause I think a lot of it is just like, a lot of it is personal to the listener. Like the place I made is just those things that hit me in that way that I feel like I can identify as that. But, you know, you could hear them and be like, uh, no, that's not that at all. Um, but yeah, but I think the main distinction is that it's not like, it's not like somebody now making an 80s sounding record. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody taking like themes from 80s sounding records, but repurposing them through a contemporary lens, a modern lens. Um, so, so like an interesting example is like, there's a quote that I'm going to paraphrase and butcher by that writer, Mark Fisher, where he kind of talks about like, in the 21st century, we're experiencing, our whole culture is based on 20th century ideals experienced through screens, through 21st century technology. So we have this like warped uh, understanding of what, of those aesthetics and, and those things that we love about the past. Yeah, and I think especially, I mean, it doesn't just pertain to music. I think fashion mm -hmm. kind of is a big one because okay. at this rate, like fashion cycles are going like so quickly, like going through so many different phases. Like I think right now we're, we're about to phase out of like Y2K and yeah. it was 90s. And before that, people were starting to wear high-waisted pants again, you know? It's just like continually repeating the same things unknowingly. Yeah, totally. And I'm excited to see like, after Y2K, do we go to like the 2010s? Is that like, I don't, I could be so wrong, but like, I don't see a world where like, we're really 
going into the 2010s because we're not that far away from the 2010s as we are the aughts. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like the cycle is progressing faster than we are moving away from said time. So like, I'm curious to see like what the fuck happens or if we just go back to like, I feel like the cycle usually starts at like the sixties or the fifties or something, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I've seen like on a little emergence of like, not in music, but mm-hmm. I'm really into fashion. Um, in the tw- like early 2000s, like low rise jeans are starting to become a thing yeah. again. Uh, oh. Along with kind of like, I don't know what kind, it's kind of like tube tops, but not really. Yeah, it's like um, the Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're starting to make a comeback. I don't know. I'm scared if we get into like Tumblr core, right? Like, skirts, uh, yeah, like screamo. Uh, yeah, like, I don't want to bring that back. Yeah, <laughs> probably will. Thanks to Gax, who I love. Um, so moving on from the playlist, so you've had. Um, you, you said you started recording for your new project. How is it like a continuation or different from what you've produced in the past, like Hack- Hackney Pursuit and um, beyond? The new thing is more, um, I think as I've been doing this, like the live shows have kind of gone their own separate way from whatever the recordings are. And I think the new one is me kind of trying to like meld the two into one um, to try to like take what I've learned from playing with a band and just the overall energy that comes naturally to me playing those shows. Uh, So I'm trying to just make it more cohesive. Um, And I think this record is that. Um, This record feels like more of what this like project really is Mm -hmm. uh, or how it exists now at least. Uh, and I'm doing it a little bit differently. Basically how I always do it is I'll make the majority of things at home um, and here. Uh, and then I'll kind of like go to a producer friend and then we'll kind of like organize it and mix it and make it nice. See <laughs> um, the stuff that I don't know how to do. Uh, and I'm kind of doing that the same way, except this time I would say the fundamental difference is that I went to like a nice studio for a lot of it. Um, and just got to use like different gear and different stuff that is a little bit over my head and had help with. Um, and so hopefully it's just a little more cleaner and refined. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for coming on this podcast and agreeing to do this. Really. For having me. I'm sorry my concept is so heady and annoying. (laughs) No, it's okay. I like learning new things. Um, Is there anything that you want to let listeners know that I can leave in the description? Um, Any links or anything like that? Are we still recording? Yeah. Uh, When does this come out? I want to say in a month, but I can't promise anything because I'm releasing my first episode in two weeks. So who's that one? Uh, James. I don't know James's last name, but he was in Bay Faction. His new project is DBA James. Oh, cool. I don't know. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't know when we're announcing it, but I'm 
going to be playing at Baby's All Right on the, oh, I want to say the 19th mm-hmm. of June. And then I'm playing in LA um, July 12th. But also it's worth saying, just for fun, that you and I met so long ago and we just put it together. So <laughs> no, actually, you want to know something really funny? When you texted me, like at the time I was doing like uh, pledging stuff. So I had a lot of phone numbers coming into my inbox. Literally, you're saved as Jackson Slow Hollows. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I saw that previous text too, that when I texted you today. <laughs> from when we texted, how long ago? So uh, long ago, like 2019. So yeah, about a Hollows interview. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so we're reconvening. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, friends, you've reached the end of the episode. And a little after the time I got off the call with Jackson, I did look a little more into hauntology because I thought it was a really interesting concept and I feel like I didn't do it justice. So I'm going to give you guys a little a little lesson on it. Like Jackson said, it kind of really is hard to describe because it's not really a genre or genre specific. It's more of like an aesthetic, I'll say, or a filter to emote nostalgia. And since it isn't a replication of a genre or of a band or of an artist, it's more of like, I'm gonna say a distant relative. It comes in a way that's more mournful or that's supposed to evoke loss. A really nice quote I found um, on Wikipedia. is mentions Britain, but it's because it was kind of created in the 40s and it was revolving around post-war times. Um, The quote reads, a nostalgia for a future that never came to pass with a vision of a strange alternate Britain. And I think it's kind of sad to think about. If you think of it on a micro level, I don't know if everyone can relate But, you know, I'm going to relate it to myself. You know, when you're younger, you have, like, this future and vision for yourself and who you think you're going to be. And a perfect movie that comes to mind is Eighth Grade, directed by Bo Burnham. Um, And if you've seen the movie, you know the scene. Um, Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. But basically, she's in the eighth grade. And when they were in the sixth grade, they made these time capsules for themselves to look at for when they graduated middle school. And when she listens to herself talk about all the things that she's hoped she's accomplished by the eighth grade and not having like completed a single one of those things, she's a little disappointed. I would say a little bit more disappointed, but I think we can all relate to that because like life happens and it's not always the way we want it to be. And I think it's an even crazier concept to apply to music. Anyway, I'm gonna stop talking about it because I really don't want to butcher the concept. Um, but that is the end of my history lesson, my little spiel, if you will. If you want to read more about hauntology, 
Um, I'm going to link the book that Jackson mentioned in the description. And I also will be linking all the artists that we talked about. And you should definitely check them out. There's a lot of great music coming out of New York. Speeding 72 by Mama is literally Song of the Summer. And if you're in New York, like Jackson mentioned, on June 19th, this episode's coming out the 15th. So in four days on Sunday... Um, he'll be opening for PHF, Perfect Hair Forever, which is another great brand you should check out. Um, I'll link tickets for that. And if you're in LA, July 12th, he's opening for Patriarchy. So of course, I'm going to link tickets below. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, and again, another thank you to Jackson for coming on the pod. I will catch you guys soon. Thank you. Don't be honest, your famous looking directly at the sun. Disrespect yourself and everyone you love. Don't be honest, get famous, look directly at the sun. Disrespect yourself and everyone you love. Don't be honest, get famous, look directly at the sun. Disrespect yourself.